Select star from uh, table is a universal SQL uh, syntax that will basically return all columns in the table that you're selecting. It's been said that select star is slow and to avoid it. It's like, don't return on column because it is slow. But I want to actually dive deep into the reasons of why select star is, is slow. Some of these reasons you might already know. You know, hey, returning 50 columns is, is of course slower than returning one. But I think some of these reasons you might not have th think about because it really involves understanding the entire stack and the backend engineering fundamentals and specifically the network aspects of things as well you know? and of course programming logic memory management how the os works all of this really affects uh, the performance of your queries and selecting all the fields while convenient because you don't have to enumerate the fields you want it's really it can impact the performance in general so uh, I wrote up an article on Medium that I'm going to review in this video. And I'm going to add my comments and going through the reasons of all of these things. How about we jump into it? All right. So, all right. So let's get started. How slow is select star? Let's read this little bit of a, a paragraph and then start discussing this stuff. In a row store database engine, rows are stored in units called pages. And... <laughs> Boy, don't get me started. Now, we're already in the first sentence, and uh, I already like thinking about this stuff, right? Uh, after I write this, and then coming back and says, "Wow, there is just so much to these things." Like a page is, and a block is the most overloaded term in 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 software engineering. That is right. You have no idea how the word page shows up in the entire stack, you know, from the database to the file system, to the operating system, to the uh, SSD itself, right? Or to the drive itself. The page, oh, pages are all different in sizes. And specifically here, we're talking about database pages, right? And then database pages are, are really fixed size. Like all the databases that I know of use fixed size pages, which is just uh, think of it structure, I suppose, with headers and the content of the page is essentially mostly rows. Or if you have a, like a column store, it's going to be the columns, right, for that first row and then the columns for the second rows it depends on the implementations and if you have documents it's going to be the documents if you're going to have graphs going to be the graphs and so on right of course this little bit changes if this is an index page versus a heap page but essentially that's the gist of it right so everything is a is a page effectively Right. And this is an example I put where this is how the Postgres page looks like. There's a bunch of headers, and these are called uh, the, uh, the tuple pointers. And they specifically 
specify where does this tuple start in byte 134 and it has a length of 20 bytes right and the second tuple starts at 155 and it has 10 and this is basically lives in page zero right so that's how pages are but so technically speaking if you if you really think about it the row is stored in the page with all its column so the first question is since i am when i read a page i get all the rows and in that page and i get all the columns so technically select star should be cheap right because i already have all the columns in line quote unquote in line in that page right because that's how row stores stores things basically we're dealing with transactional you know uh, workload in this case so we'll always assume row store but, but 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 then why is why are people tell us that select star is slow and that's basically what we need to understand here right you see every time you fetch let's say let's explain first of all how do we read something right uh, i want to read a row right uh, select a star from table where id equal one let's say this is a student id right so assuming there is no index what the database will do is okay we're going to do a full table scan so there is your table and the table is literally one file and it is organized as an array of these pages that we talked about this fixed size pages so what what the database will do is i get i need to do a full table scan and what that means is i need to scan the pages one by one in the file so i'm going to read page zero from the file how do i get page zero remember when you read from disk you have very uh, certain operations when you want to read right you you read you specify the file descriptor where do you want to read from where the starting position is and how much bytes you want to read that's it and the how much thing is uh, i think up to two gig that's the limit in, in linux at least right that that's all you really got so how does that convert to pages when it comes to databases well once you understand the fundamentals is this is all simple stuff right the database to read page zero page zero starts at the zeroth position in the file so the opposite is zero and page the page size is also fixed right in postgres is 8k in anodb mysql is 16 right and so the length is 8k it's all fixed you might say Hussein, how do i read page seven then well seven is literally page seven is seven times the length of all the pages that went before it right so seven times eight plus one so you actually start the next page right the next byte and then you read 8k right and so on that's that's basically how you read pages once you the database reads the these raw bytes and and these in reading this is there's little more to it than than just i say read right i don't like to say these things anymore i like to understand how things work there's there's layers and layers and layers of things underneath that read operation right? there's the file systems involved the 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 bytes are converted into file system blocks and these blocks are mapped to the ssd blocks or the sectors or in the in the drive 
and those blocks are physically retrieved you know because the api to read offset length is not consistent across the 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 the, the storage driver right we don't read bytes we read blocks assuming this is a block storage right we we deal mostly with block storage so everything is a block so if you read, we want to read a single byte you read whatever the number of minimum number of block the file system allows you to and that's 4k in most cases All right so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about this maybe in another video so so just so i don't i don't go off track here but once you read that um once that page is read from the SSD transfer to the file system into many blocks, and now we have the raw bytes, the operating system have the raw bytes in memory hot, right? The database now takes those place, those memory location and space them into something called the shared buffers, right? It's the database's own cache where those pages will be lived so that hopefully someone will want to query something that is in the same page. So I just pull to the shared memory. Effectively, it is the reason it's shared memory because the databases will spin up multiple processes, of course. Most databases deal with multi-processes. And these multi-processes, all of these executing multiple transactions, they need to see a unified view of of all the pages and this is where the shared buffers are located right so that's what we do so when, when i do a select id right one oh that's uh, page zero. Oh, well we don't really know no it's page zero we just scan we read page zero now look ro let's read row by one is 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 the id one is id one is the id one until we find it if we didn't find it we read the next page page one and then we find it, we run this page, page two, and so on, right? Until we find that ID. And once we find it, we really have everything because the page have all the columns in line. I'm gonna put an asterisk on that. So that's that's how things work. Now, now let's go to the reasons. Because now everything is there, why is select star slow? Right? Let's first go to the first reason. Kiss index only uh, index only scans goodbye. First of all, you're right, right? If you're actually reading the heap, which is the table data, you're right. You have that select star, you can have everything. But here's what you miss on. Let's assume you have an index, like the student. Let's go back to the example of students, right? If I'm a student, and I have a table student, there is a the table, there is an ID field, there is a grade, there is a name, there is a bunch of other stuff, right? So now I have the student, there's an ID, there is a name, there's a grade, there's a bunch of other columns as well, right? So now, assume I have a grade index, an index on the grades field, right? So if I do a query says, okay, give me all the student IDs. I'm just interested in the IDs that scored more than 90, right? Mark, a mark of 90 or higher. Well, if your grade index and assume, let's assume this is 
MySQL, right? Or SQL Server. And the reason I picked those two databases is because they, they store secondary indexes a little bit different than Postgres, right? And we're going to come to the Postgres. It's, it's just very similar there here. So now, because I'm doing a grade, grade is greater than 90, definitely I'm going to use the index that is there, right? So as I'm scanning the index, and again, scanning the index is going through the B trees, and the B trees have layers, and these layers store these keys and the keys are stored in pages and the pages are stored in disk very similar thing it's just the data structure is different now but, but the content is still pages you're reading pages now we have read this we read through this beautiful index and we found as we're scanning right because the index is ordered the grades because we are having an index on the grade it's ordered so the once i find the 90 i find 90 and 90 and 90 and another 90 and a 91 and 92 everything is ordered and 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 because the value of the secondary index in the leaf page is the primary key right again this is let's say my sequel right uh or Oracle, if you have an index-organized uh, table, right? Then you technically have the ID, because they say, say the ID is the primary key, right? You have the ID right there in the leaf page, in the index. So you're done. Your work is done. Technically, your work is done. That's it. You found the, the grade you have there, of course, is right there. And you have also the 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 primary key which is the id which is what you want so it, it becomes what we call a covering uh, index scan or in in postgres speak it's called index only scans right so you only really need to scan the index because you don't really need anything else you just ask for the id but the moment you do select star that optimization is just screwed the database is you really had to ask for the all the fields are you really did have to do that damn it now it says okay you need the id but you also need the name and you need the date of birth and you need uh his documents and whatever right so now th what the database needs to do is collect all these ids which are primary ids and now it has to do turn around and do another lookup it's called index six right on the primary key hey i have i found id 7 scored more than 90 and 11 and 1007 and 10008 and 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 20007 they have to be random right because you don't you you have no idea that the students who score more than 90 are actually in order right <laughs> you'll be lucky but it's never the case this is called random reads so random reads are the worst right when it's due to the database random everything is the worst when it comes to ssds reading from desk reading of databases you want to avoid those but sometimes you can't right so now you have a collection of these puppies you turn around and then do another scan or a seek on the primary index so you say okay I'm, i want to find this student this student so you'll be you'll be scattershot all over the index, which will cause eventually many IO to disk. Why? 
because you just chose to do a star instead of asking for what you want. So really, really slow stuff. In Postgres, right? In Postgres, by default, when you just create an index on the grid, right? The Postgres always has to do that. Even if you ask for the ID, it has to go back to the table because uh, Postgres secondary indexes, which is everything is secondary. There are, there are no primary indexes in, in Postgres. The, the value is actually called the tuple ID, which is what we explained right here. Right, a tuple ID is, is literally is literally literally a two pair, which is page index and the index of the tuple or the row in that page. Right, that's that's what it is. So like this in this particular case, page zero comma one is the first row. Zero point two, zero comma two is 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 the second tuple, and so on. Right, so so that that's. That's what's happening. To, in Postgres stores these tuples, so it has to go back. But in Postgres, you also can have a covering indexes where you can create an index and you include columns from the heap, from the table in the index, right? Such that that index will have the ID or will have anything else you want. So you can get that beautiful index only scan. So if you have such index and your front end application or in this case is actually is the backend server right that actually executes the query in this case it, it is a front end to the database right will will not utilize this beautiful index only scans so that's that's the first case index only scans you basically kiss them goodbye when you do select star right all right you might say okay i don't care the random reads affecting from this is really bad Okay, let's talk about deserialization cost. Yeah. Correct. When you select star, the columns live in the page with the row. But getting them out and into the protocol that will be eventually delivered to the app require something called deserialization because these are just a bunch of bytes at this point they are raw bytes in the page because the page is just literally a, a memory once it it's pulled into the memory right through right uh, you, you malloc it effect, effectively it's just a bunch of bytes right? so so now you have to actually parse right so it's okay there's this row and the First, this is the first column. This is the second column. This is the third column. And once you get the content of these columns, you actually have to coerce. You have to deserialize this from bytes down to the data type of whatever this thing is. If this is an integer, you cast it to an integer. If this is a long, you cast it to a long. If this is a double, you cast it to a double. If this is a, like a custom data type, you cast it to this custom data type. If this is a string, you cast it to a string. That also has a cost. Not much, but it can add up if you have a lot of columns. So deserialization cost can really add up because you don't really know how many fields that exist in advance, right? You soon select store. You have to do all of that stuff, right? And and that deserialization cost, again, we're talking about at the, at the database level here. 
converting the page raw bytes to data structure that then that data structure will be serialized i suppose down to the network eventually right but 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 dealing with them into a number or a value the conversion needs work and and it needs to be stored in its own form as a variable as a data structure so you're actually allocating more memory if you think about it just to store these things right building those raw object all right so that's uh, the deserialization cost right not much but it can add up okay not all columns are in line first of all what do we what do you mean by in line when we say in line in line when i say in line i mean when i say when i have a row store where the rows are literally one after the other row all columns first row all columns second row all columns third row all columns just one after the other right the columns that are appearing inside the row are called inline in the same page right there it's called inline columns right? and you're gonna see this word being used all the time like inline I don't know, functions right in, in compiler like, like inlining sometimes gives poor, uh, performance things right but the problem here is remember when we said pages are fixed size i forgot to mention one thing which is rows cannot really span multiple pages if you have like a, what do you have like a really big row with a I don't know, 20,000 columns. Can't happen. But if you have that, then the row technically cannot fit. You will have one page with a single row, and that row will not fit that page because it's so big. right? So you, you will have to spin up another page to complete that row. No, 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 no. Database never allowed to do that because the complexity to find the row becomes exponentially harder. So no databases, as, well, as far as I'm aware, allow rows to be spanned between multiple pages just because of the complexity if you think about it right so rows cannot span pages because of that then hussein what, what what do i do if i have one field of the string that has the entire work of shakespeare in it that's what databases do like think about this or or blob or lobs, right? Things that are actually binary that are stored in as a column. JSON. JSONs are rarely stored in line, right? JSON documents like in Postgres or other databases. You can't because you, they can't fit a page. So what happens is those are assigned a pointer. And when I say pointer, don't think of a C sharp, C sharp. Don't think of a C pointer here. And right? it's actual it's a it's a unique identifier that points back to that blob right so what happens is a, a, a marker is created and that thing is placed on an external table right and and mysql has it uh, postgres has it, it's called toast right they, they have to have it there is no way out you have to have some external place to store your stuff right there are they cannot fit into the page and as a result, if you think about it, this actually what limits the number of columns. Why don't uh, databases allow unlimited number of columns? Because of this reason, right? Because at the end of the day, you can have a non-variable static type integer, like the integer is not variable, right? It's a fixed size. It's either four bytes or eight, right? 
64 or uh, 32, right? If you have that, then how many actually, you cannot really put that outside. Doesn't make sense, right? As an integer, right? So, uh, so, so, so what happens is you are limited by the, whatever the number of columns based on certain calculation. You can do the math as well. Right? So what, what databases do is they take that long string, that long document, that long blob, that long JSON, put it in another table, put an ID to it, and that ID is instead stored in very tiny, like one or two bytes or even less, in line. So you only, that column only have the pointer, that identifier of the external storage. It's never stored in line, right? And again, it depends on the size of the thing, right? Sometimes if you have like 128 character, Postgres will say, eh, okay, I'll put it in line, right? There is, there is a threshold to decide that. But mostly large stuff are stored outside. And guess what? They're often compressed. So there is a cost. If you actually say, give me that JSON, give me that document, give me that string, you're asking the database, yeah, you're saying it's already in line. Uh, no, I got this, but I have to now do another query to another table called the toast table in Postgres, the oversized something uh, text or something. I forgot what it stands for. Okay. And that is an additional I.O. Because that page where that toast exists might not be in the shared buffers. And as a result, you're just closed another I.O. Look at the work you're doing. Look at the pain you're causing. You're causing pain. An I.O. goes to the disk. And the disk suffers every time you hit it with an I.O. Right. Next time you do a select star, think about the suffering you're causing to all these equipments. Yeah. I tried to say this with a straight fair, but I couldn't. Okay, so especially that because these are things are compressed, right? And you can disable compression if you want, but that will just blow to your storage. If you don't care about storage, sure. But then not only you're pulling it from an I.O. external, now there is CPU involved. Now you're making the CPU work for you, right? You're uncompressing stuff because uncompressing has to be done in memory, right? Now it's just like, ah, let me uncompress. Uh, Huffman encoding, whatever, right? Gzip. All this stuff is happening now. Geometry stuff. You deal with geometry. I do with geometry all day. That's my basically my, my nine to five. Right? Uh, geometry stuff. G GIS. Right? So, so yeah. This is really expensive, right? So doing select star, now you're silently, and, and the sad part is if you ask the database to do all this stuff, to pull all these blobs, to pull all these strings, and you just, in the client, you just say, eh, I really just needed the ID. Well, I don't really need the rest of this stuff, right? It's like asking someone to bring you all this stuff, right? And bring you a dish of food or something, but you only take one thing. You say, oh, oh, I I don't want that anymore. How rude. How rude, really. Okay, not all columns are in line. So be careful. Be very careful. Network cost. Ho-ho. 
uh, when was the last time you're back and running the same time in the same place as the database never you never put the database in the same place as the backend right they don't they never run on the same processes and the same host right sure you can, you can run on the same physical host on a separate container right but i don't know why you would do that but you might have virtualization set up but still you have to separate them they there is networking involved right and 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 of course you need to keep them as close as possible so the latency is low right you don't want to put one in us west and the second one is the database is you in us east and the backend application in us west and you expect queries to be fast no you have to put them in the same network zone hopefully right and if if you can't then create replicas and have the replicas close by right i think i created a one video at some point i think i think it was clever right? keep your database close and your no keep your servers close and your database closer i think i think that was clever right uh, clever way of saying it did i just call myself clever as kids kids these days would call me cringe so uh right network cost so now that we talked about Okay, you selected all the fields, you took the hit, you did, you avoided the beautiful index only scan, you took the hit of database uh, data structure deserialization from the page down to the thingy, right? And then you took, uh, 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 what would you say? What else? Yes, uh, you, you told me to get all these text fields and blob fields and JSON fields. So I had to go to a toast table, an external table, decompress them, and, and also put them in a data structure. So the double, double trouble. And then now I'm ready to send it back across the network. Now, each database has its own networking protocol, right? right? It could be most used like binary specific representation. I don't see, I didn't see really a, a, a unified... Uh, and this is something I, I talk about sometimes in my channel, where there is no unified database protocol. Doesn't exist. Every database just does its own thing. Right? Unlike the web, we have HTTP, right? It's a unified web protocol. Anything web, you go HTTP, right? And it's like the, the use cases uh, went beyond web, right? So everywhere, right? It's like this is the de facto standard. Some people brought HTTP to, down to the database. I don't, I don't know how how well that performs, to be honest. But but every database does its own thing. Like a SQL Server has its own, Postgres has its own, Redis has its own. Like everybody database is like, ah, oh, I want to build my own. And then now you have to serialize that data structure. You have down serialize it down to bytes, down to this protocol. Uh, language that you have right so the serialization aspect to to that protocol application level protocol right your application at that the database protocol application in this case right whatever that structure is right and then that goes into the the transport protocol which we don't have anything else tcp ip that's all what we have right so it goes into down to ip packets and then segments sorry and then ip packets and those ip packets are shipped right so now if you're sending really 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 large 
columns, the response from that protocol, the database response, the database SQL result will be so large such that the network transmission, you will feel it, especially if you have like larger latency, you will feel it because now I need to write uh, and the, the, the maximum I can write at a time is the MTU, which is the maximum transmission unit uh, defined by the IP layer, layer, layer three. And that's basically is defined based on, on, on path discovery MTU, right? The, 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 the protocol that discovers what is the weakest link in this network that I'm transferring and says, okay, what is the minimum I can send or maximum in this case? I can send 1500 is the default in the internet. You can send lower. There are some routers like uh, support like 500, <laughs> like very old routers, but 1500 is the standard. There are routers with jumbo frames that suppose like 9,000 and stuff like that, they are even large, but that's the kind of standard. So you can only send 15 bytes at a time in the IP and that even it's even lower at the TCP segment layer, right? I know I'm going into very details, but this is the point. Uh, in my, all my videos, I always go into details, right? I don't make like one minute videos and uh, deal with it. I, I like to explore these things because I, I am passionate about this stuff. So I, I apologize if you don't like this content, but I really do like to go into these details and, and kind of brush everything, like understand everything, remove the black boxes. Yeah? So now if you have a lot of data, even if you do compress it, which is an additional CPU database overhead, then you still have to transmit it. And the, the conjunction algorithm protocols and slow start will allow you to send multiple of these 1500 or 1460 segments without waiting for an acknowledgement, right? And initially you're gonna send one, I suppose 10 recently, 10 segments at a time, like Google increased the initial window size for the congestion window to 10, I suppose, because like there is no point. The internet is really fast these days. So let me send 10 at a time. So 10 times 15, that's like what? That's 15K. So that's 15K, right? So you can say 15K at a time if you want, right? At, at, at a start, right? And then, but, but not all network supports that, right? So it always starts slow and then increase 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 increases slowly right incrementally increases so now as you go through this you're, you're sending that but eventually the client have to start acknowledging this it has to process this and it only the client only acknowledged something that actually was able to receive right so if there is a data loss guess what the client didn't receive it the server timeout will hit and they will retransmit it so all of this, you'll feel it. The more network you have latency, the more you will kind of feel it. Yeah? That's why it's like, uh, I always feel like applications, if you want to really test applications, like when it comes to performance, like just, just put, put the database and the backend in a very, really, uh, you know, uh, far apart. Yeah? I know it's a bad idea, right? To do that in production, but, but it, will, it will force you to optimize. Because you, you're gonna you you're gonna send as small as possible, and you're gonna receive as small as possible data. You're gonna say, okay, ah, why am I sending this much? Let me send less. Right? So, 
it's like putting yourself in a slow mode such that you feel the pain right? uh, of, of these kind of things, right? So returning all columns require deserialization, right? Of, of these large columns, such as strings, blob, the client will never use. Oh, that's the sad part. All of this, you're incurring all the high cost of transmission for nothing, nothing at all. And then we finally talk about the client deserialization, where now that I actually, the client received all these raw TCP uh, segments from the NEC, uh, the NEC actually transferred it to the OS through DMA, and then that becomes just raw bytes, and the sig and, and and the OS now just say, okay, what's for this listener? Where is this going? This is IP. This IP. This destination. All right. It is this socket. So to start transmitting your data to the client app, which is the the basically, if you have no Node.js, that's the Node.js app. And specifically the library that you use for the database uh, client, right? So if it's a Postgres client, that will be that, that library will be called. And you are at the mercy of how this library is authored. How is it parsing the protocol? How is it, how is it understanding this stuff? That's why lazy parsing is also a thing in the client side where, uh, Let's actually wait for the client to consume some of this stuff such that you can avoid the head of client deserialization and client building all these objects. Fitch has the same thing, by the way, right? The Fitch API. Fitch API, when you call it, it will it will it will give you the headers only. It will give you the response, but it'll give you the just the byte, the raw body, right? You cannot actually do anything with the body until you call body.json function so go ahead and actually took take the head to actually deserialize it and the reason we, they do fitch does it this way is because uh you might only need the headers for some reason or you might only need the response code right the status code or cert content length so uh, this is the way such that the app the client will consume what it needs. And when it actually needs the content, the body, it will do JSON or .text to actually move it from binary down to the deserialization, down to the data structure. In this case, it's JSON because converted JSON is expensive, right? Now, I'm assuming it's the, the response is JSON in this case, right? And uh, so, so the deserialization is costly. So if you can do it lazily, that's even better. But how about that? If you can avoid sending data that you never use, that's even better for the back end, isn't it? Right? So yeah, guys, that's that's all what I have for you today. Right? So we talked about why Select Star is really slow. Really, really, really slow. I might have missed a reason or not. Let me know in, the, in those comments down below. Hope you enjoyed this video. I'm going to see you on the next one. You guys stay awesome. Goodbye.